it was me. Every once in a while when we're playing the songs during worship, my mind wanders to, to God. And I forget that I have an instrument in my hand. So you heard poor Archie trying to start a song, and he was wondering, where did that guitar player go? There I am just beaming like an idiot over there. Woohoo! Lord's good. Sorry, Archie. Well, today I'm, I'm preaching from a disputed passage. I'll bring that to your attention now. It's uh, John chapter 8. But just in case that one doesn't fit your theological box, I want to read something to you. A uh, brother came up to me, and, and uh, he pointed out this verse, and I thought, boy, this is beautiful. It's Paul, and you'll have to excuse me. I found out I'm allergic to lilies. <laughs> we had a whole <laughs> flock of them in the church. I lit up like a strawberry. I mean, I look like a cherry tomato. There's big rashes, and my yeah, it's terrible. Anyway, so I've got Kleenex up here, and you'll hear me sniffling, so I apologize for that. Okay. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Now it is required of those who have been given a trust, uh, given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but it does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motive men's hearts at that time each will receive his praise from god i read that because the passage from john chapter 8 some people say ah that was added way too late but you'll see in a moment why it's there well this morning we look at clinging to christ in the conflict of life if you're a human being and you're still breathing yes you too are in conflict (laughs) the cosmic conflict between humans and god has been in full swing since we decided that we could make decisions between good and evil as God. The problem is, we're not God. And so every decision we make apart from God can only be evil. The main conflict that you and I face is the sin that results every time we make those decisions apart from God. God tells us through David in Psalm 16:2, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord, apart from you I have no good thing our lord tells us in john 15:5, i am the vine you are the branches if a man remains in me and i in him he will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing we can do nothing apart from god and apart from him we have no good thing pretty plain we have been cut off from god because of our own sinful choices and sin desires to master us and so inevitably when it does It separates us from God because we cannot serve two masters. And if we don't have God as our master, well, that means we have no love for, no longing for, nor any life in the God who gives salvation. Christ and Christ alone must be our master, not sin. We cannot cling to both sin and Christ, for none of us can serve two masters. Look at the conversation God has with Cain in Genesis chapter 4. If you want to return there, it's in Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Genesis chapter 4, 6 and 7. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. 
it desires to have you, but you must master it. So how do we master sin when we have no good thing apart from God, nor can we do any good thing apart from God? By admitting that our wills are sinful apart from God. If we are to have any hope of clinging to Christ in the conflicts of this life, we must let go of sin by God's grace so we can hold on to the love that God is and the love that God has for us through Christ Jesus. You cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. Sin, as I said before, first and foremost separates us from God. In our pride, we thought we could choose between right and wrong apart from God. And we were tempted that we could be as God, knowing the difference between good and evil. That was the temptation in the garden. We may know the difference between good and evil, but apart from God, we can only choose that which is evil. That's why we need him. We were duped by the devil's pride. We were never meant to be God. Adam and Eve began the folly that says we can choose good and evil apart from God, and we persist in it today. We always choose evil apart from God. But Christ alone brings peace to our conflict with God and others. When by grace we come to behold Christ, we see our choices apart from God for what they are, sin. God in his kindness grants us the power to turn from choosing evil to choosing Christ. God, in his grace, grants us the power to choose Christ instead of evil. That's important to remember because a lot of us think it's about being right in our own minds. No, there's only one mind that's right. God, in his kindness, grants us the power to turn from choosing evil to choosing Christ. Christ and Christ alone is our righteousness in the conflict that exists between us and God. You see, we're the same yesterday as we were today. I said that backwards, but you get my meaning. What do we have to say in this day and age <clears throat> Excuse me, about the conflict that exists in our only choosing which is evil apart from God who only chooses good? Should we not come before God, humbly admitting the error of our ways? Admit in your heart of hearts that, God, we can choose no good thing apart from you unless you free us from the sin that so easily entangles us. If you have never asked God for the forgiveness of sins through believing on Jesus Christ, I urge you, quit listening to the rest of this message and call out to God in prayer. What does it profit a man to live at peace with this world and be at war with God? Call out to him in his mercy, in his kindness. May he grant you the repentance that leads to faith in Jesus Christ. If you have not faith in Jesus Christ, you are in conflict with the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. We will either face the conflicts of life clinging closely to Jesus, or we will die in our pride. Now, sin not only separates us from God, it separates us from one another. The first children conceived after we thought we could handle knowing good and evil apart from God, show us the fruit of their labors. Cain kills Abel. 
I mean, the first brothers on earth, apart from God, to try to exist together, one whacks the other. (laughs) Could there be any alternative? No. Read about it yourself in chapter 4 of Genesis. Sin seeks to destroy where Christ seeks to restore. Sin seeks to separate where Christ seeks to unite. Ultimately, sin seeks to destroy the soul where God seeks to give the soul abundant life in Christ Jesus. And so we will either face the conflicts, like I said, clinging to Christ, or we will die in our own prideful efforts, which from the beginning have been evil. Pride only leads to destruction. Pride carries no power in the conflicts of this life that we face. Pride is that thing that says, I'm right. Humility is that thing that says, Christ is right. Pride says, I can do it. Humility confesses that we can do no good thing apart from God. Pride is sufficient in its own thinking, its own reasoning, its own thought. But humility seeks the wisdom of God through the godly advice of others. This morning, examine the conflicts in your life. Is Christ sufficient in your conflicts? Or has pride again assumed control of the choices that we make? We need his love if we are to live at peace with those around us. It is my hope that God will enable us to love those he has placed around us, whether we are at peace with them or in conflict. Moreover, that we would experience God's presence, the passion that he has to forgive and love and restore his people, and the same power that enables that through Jesus Christ, that that would live in us. I ask you, will you bow your head in prayer and And ask along with me. Let's pray. So Father, we come before you, a people led astray by our own choices. Apart from you, we have no good thing and we can do no good thing. But Lord, your love comes through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray that that love that comes from your hand would flow in and through us as we walk by faith in our Lord. God, keep us close and help us to love like Jesus loved in your power and in his name. Amen. So where are you at in your life? Where are you at in your life with the relationship God has placed around you? Are you getting along with everyone? You guys ever get that report card that says uh, gets along well with others, plays well with others? Remember that back in kindergarten? I don't know if they do that. How many of you got don't show your hands? I got a you every time, every time, you, 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 every time. Doesn't play well with others. Um, doesn't exercise self-control. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that was me. How about you? Are you getting along with people or is there some people around you that you just don't see eye to eye with? Maybe they don't see eye to eye with you. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's God. Whoever it is, you just don't get along. You have conflict. At this point, we have to ask ourselves, what part do I play in this conflict? Let me tell you the part you don't play. 
Let me tell you the part we don't play. God. You and I are not the Almighty. In fact, I want you all to take a deep breath with me and confess, I am not God. Ready? I am not God. It's freeing, isn't it? You can give up your position as general manager of the universe. Let God take that. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, it rolls off our tongue nice and it sounds cool. But the reality is pride. Pride. I spoke briefly about it. Let me add here that pride is a culprit that dares attempt to put us on equal terms with God. Only a fool filled with the lie of Satan's pride would ever utter, I am my own God. Yet day in and day out, we conduct ourselves as if we make the ultimate decisions about right and wrong. As if we make the ultimate decision in conflict about, well, he's right and he's wrong, or I'm right and they're wrong. There is but one judge over all humans. And you and I aren't it. We are not him. Jesus is the only judge over humanity. Interestingly, When Jesus walked this earth, he was given an opportunity to judge the sins of a woman caught in adultery. Read with me in John chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. Again, that's John chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. Mike, would you be so kind as to put these overhead lights on? Thank you. I know it's hard to see. I can't see without those lights on when I'm out there. (laughs) So I like them on. John chapter 8. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order for a basis, in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. This woman and these men had some conflicts going on, to say the least. The woman was caught in the act of adultery. Her behavior had brought about the consequences. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, on the other hand, were not conflicted by the woman's sin. For we read that they were only trying to trip Jesus up so they could accuse him. So their conflict was with Jesus. Ask yourself, which person best represents me in this scenario? Are you the woman, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees? Are you Jesus? Now, granted, I know we just, we just declare we are not God, so we know we're not the person of Jesus. But we know that by grace through faith, God's grace and forgiveness and love can live through us. 
We know that. We can be ambassadors of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, which person in the story looks like you? Now, there's no doubt in my mind that each one of us is represented by all of them. First and foremost, the woman caught in adultery. Jesus' declaration to this woman is the same declaration to us. I do not condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is an important part. Before we can be a part of resolving conflict in our life or anyone else's life, we have to admit we need God to remove the log from our own eye. This woman's log was adultery. Everyone saw it, including Jesus. What's your log? What is the log that blinds you? That blinds you to the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Jesus says he doesn't condemn us. Go now, leave your life of sin. I will say it again before we can be reconciled to one another. We need to be reconciled to God. Call out to God, asking him to help leave the life of sin and cling to the forgiveness that only comes through Jesus Christ. We read in Romans 8, 1 and 2, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free. Hallelujah from the law of sin and death. Not only are we represented by the woman caught in adultery, we are also represented by the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Don't miss this. This, this cut my heart. Amazingly, they claim to know God, though they care nothing for the individual they have brought before Jesus. They are willing to expend this woman's life to advance their agenda. She's just a pawn in a game that they're playing. Who here hasn't used people to get what they want? Careful, I know most of you had mothers. <laughs> Mom, forgive us. Let each one of us look at our own lives closely. Do we bring our conflicts to Jesus so we can be proved right? Or do we point people to the only one who was ever right? The person you are in conflict with has a soul and needs to experience the love of Jesus Christ. Don't you remember that Jesus came in our conflict before we knew him? And he loved us anyway? Do we pray to that end? God, help me to love him, or is it... Nuke them all, Lord. (laughs) That brings us to a very important point with dealing with conflict. That's prayer. Are you calling out to God in the storms of your conflict? Too often people are on our nerves because we've never been on our knees begging for the love that we need to bear the burdens of conflict that are between human beings, not because of God, but because of our sin. We can complain incessantly about those who would oppose us. 
and be at conflict with us, but we can't spend five minutes in prayer begging for the love to bear that burden. Look at your life and the conflicts that you currently face. Do you seek God's will regularly through prayer? Asking for the Spirit to live through you? If so, do you then walk in the fruit of the Spirit in the midst of the conflict, remembering that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. However, we must answer in many cases, no. We have not walked in the Spirit because we have been stuck in the carnal arguments of our earthly sinful minds which care nothing for the truth shared in love so that we are all built up in the Lord. We should look very carefully at how our hearts feel about the people we are in conflict with. What do you harbor in your heart? Do you harbor love in your heart for the one who disagrees with you? Or are they simply a pawn for you to use or sacrifice to achieve the end you want? These Pharisees and teachers didn't care about the woman in conflict, but Jesus did. Do we love those in conflict with us, or do we only see them as a roadblock to the things we really want? Jesus cares for people. Jesus cares for people in sinful conflict. And those that claim by faith a relationship with him should do the same with the grace that God gives them. Look again at how Jesus treated this woman. She was guilty. Her sin was going to cost Jesus his life. He knew he was going to the cross. Her sin was going to cost him his life. He could have judged her, but he didn't. Instead, her sin and ours, he took upon himself and bore the death, even death on a cross for us. When faced with the cosmic conflict of our sin, Jesus cried out in prayer, And he cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you are in conflict and not in prayer, you don't stand a chance. God is the one who brings peace. Seek him, but seek him with humility. How can we expect to know God know how God wants us to handle conflict if we never humble ourselves and pray. Brother and sister, pray. Seek God's counsel in the conflicts of your life. Pray for His love and His guidance that come through a life humbly surrendered to Christ. But when you seek Him, seek Him humbly in the conflict. As we seek God in prayer, we are to do it with humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This should be the same attitude we have when we are in conflict with someone. If there is only one who is righteous, how can we come before God and boast of our rightness in the conflict when Scripture plainly tells us 
All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Or Isaiah 53.6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We must let go of human pride and wisdom and lean upon the work of Jesus Christ. It's his life that is our righteousness. We gain nothing from the conflict unless we humbly, prayerfully seek God for the life of Christ to be lived out through us by his spirit. And humility demands we may be wrong. Humbly consider that your arguments may be wrong or that you may be handling the conflict in a less than godly manner. After all, none of us has a great track record when it comes to judging others without our own sin getting in the way. Humility insists that though we are saved from our sin by Christ and are destined to walk in his perfection, we are not there yet. We are told in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Do we have humility like that in the conflicts that we currently face? If the answer is no, then again, let us cry out to the God that gives strength to humble ourselves first and foremost before God and then before the people that we live around. Christ's love, John the Baptist proclaimed, takes away the sins of the world. Christ's love covers the multitude of conflicts that this sinful world throws at us. Anything less than Christ's gracious, forgiving love just results in more conflict. We need to walk in the way of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the way of the cross is humbling. You will often be asked to bear painful burdens of conflict. Some will be your own sin. Some will be, because, will be because of the sin of others. But make no mistake about it. Both require the righteousness of Christ. Unless we have the righteousness of Christ in our sin or the sins of others in dealing with conflict, we do not have God's peace. You see, along with humbly seeking God's guidance and love and prayer, we need to seek godly counsel of other people. Too often we come into conflict and we never seek the wisdom of godly people the Lord has put around us. Oftentimes it is again our pride that prevents us from asking for help. Proverbs 13.10 tells us, Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Don't isolate yourself from other believers when you are struggling in the conflict. Don't isolate yourself when you are struggling in the conflict. Excuse me. Seek godly men and women. 
seek them out to glean the advice on how to handle the conflicts that we face. I guess at this point we have to ask ourselves, how do we know if it's godly advice? Godly advice plainly points to the love of Jesus Christ. Godly advice begins with Christ and it ends with Christ. He is our truth. Humility begs us to consider that this fallen world leaves three sides to every story. Yours, mine, and the truth of Christ. Which will you stand on? Which will you count as your solid ground? Godly advice always points you to the truth of Jesus Christ. So, we admit that we're nothing and have nothing apart from God. By grace through faith, we come to him in the conflict of our sin and call upon the life of Christ to be our righteousness. We humbly call upon God through prayer for the strength to love those who are in conflict with us the way Jesus loved us when we were in conflict with God. We seek out godly men and women God has placed around us for the advice that points people to the same God who sets us free from conflict, Jesus. Jesus spoke these words to all who would call themselves disciples. We read in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. His life was about to be poured out. Poured out on the cross for our sins, and he wanted all who would consider themselves his disciples to love as he loved. He has that in mind. He's going to lay down his life for the sinners of this world. Love as I have loved, he says. Our life in Christ is to sing forth the grace that God offers through faith in Jesus Christ. The grace of God lives in the hearts of all who are true disciples of Jesus. That grace points people who are in conflict with God and one another to the same Jesus that has freed us and will continue to free us from the sin that destroys our relationships. If you are in conflict, keep your eyes on Christ. Listen carefully to this. You will be tempted to make a case against your brother or sister that has wronged you. You will be tempted to make a case against your brother or sister who has wronged you. What evidence could you possibly bring to God that he could not match a hundredfold in your own life? Are we really going to bring the sins of other people and how they bother us before God when he has laid down his life? for every sin you ever committed? Dear brothers and sisters, do not be deceived. We can no more call ourselves friends of God than Satan when we stand as an accuser. 
we have no grounds to accuse one another. We have either surrendered our rights at the cross knowing that we were never right apart from Christ or we remain in our sinful will which exists apart from the grace of God. No matter how bad the conflict may get between you and another person, nothing will ever surpass the conflict that existed between us and God because of our sin. Remember, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Therefore, be forgiving. For we all once were lost in the choices that we made apart from our God. Be humble. For we know that unless God, God's grace touches us, we remain blinded by our own pride. Above all, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. We too were once dead apart from the love of God. But God has lavished his love upon us so that we may live in the love that Jesus Christ is and that that love will be lavished on those around us. The love of Christ alone carries the power to bring peace in the conflicts we face. The love of Christ is the melody of our song. The love of Christ is our song. Apart from him, we're stuck, forever doomed to make the wrong choice. But in him, there is grace and forgiveness. As the musicians come up and we pray, I ask that you would pray with me and seek God's will in how we should handle conflicts that we currently face, that glory and honor and grace and love may abound. Please pray with me. Lord, you are good. You are all that is good. No good exists apart from you. And Lord, we have existed too long apart from you in our pride and in our sin. We're lost. We're blind. We're dead. And we bring death to the relationships that we invade with our pride. Lord, please, please give us humility with our brothers and sisters and with you that we would bow and pray and say, God, give me the love that is required to bear the burdens of my brothers and sisters like Christ bore the burden for me. Let us not be as the hypocrite. Let us love as Jesus loved, showing no favoritism, but pronouncing to one and to all, I do not condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. But Father, we know we cannot leave sin unless you grab us by the hand with your grace and pull us from that miry clay. Give my brothers and sisters and myself the strength, the strength to extend our hand humbly and say, God, please, let us love with the love of Jesus Christ 
And let our songs sing of that grace and that mercy. For you are good and we praise you.